Welcome to the Fitness Candor Podcast. Your host, Eric Feigl, will be bringing you the truth about exercise and the fitness industry. You'll hear from fitness professionals, exercise science professors and researchers, fitness industry entrepreneurs and leaders, as well as people who simply love to talk shop. Stick around after the show to learn how you can get your topic in an upcoming episode. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Fitness Candor Podcast. Dr. Teddy Wilsey joins us for a second time on the podcast. We're going to talk a little bit more uh, about thoracic spine. We kind of touched on it at the very end of our first episode. And if you want to know more about Teddy, about what he's up to and the awesome stuff he's, he's doing, check out episode uh, 95 of the Fitness Candor Podcast because that's when he first appeared. So, uh, Teddy, welcome back to the show, man. I appreciate it. Eric, I'm happy to be back, man. It was a great conversation last time, and I look forward to continuing it and try to not get off track too much like I always do. <laughs> I think I think that makes for the best ones, though, when you start like just going and going, and then like a lot of other yeah, different yeah. things. Because we, I just made a, a total a list of things that I wanted to cover, and so um, I think one of the most important things um, that you talk about on your Instagram page is uh, thoracic spine mobility. There's a lot of different things you cover. You cover everything from um, how to improve overall range of motion to becoming a better athlete. Um, and right before we pressed record, I mentioned to you how I see a lot of people, and I'm sure you do too, of all age ranges now who are having some really interesting thoracic spine mobility issues, whether it is from sitting at a desk, kind of like both of us are doing right now, but they're doing it for eight to 10 hours a day, or maybe people who are, uh, you know, truck drivers who, um, or even avid cyclists who spend most of their time in this, in this kind of position, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of different kinds of athletes. So what I really wanted to dive into was uh, the thoracic spine, what it is and how we can improve it for uh, not just athletes, but for everybody. So um, if you can just talk a little bit about what is the thoracic spine exactly, and we can kind of go from there. Yeah. So the, the thoracic spine is, um, it's probably the least understood of the the four spinal segments. So the four spinal segments, it starts at the cervical at the head and then thoracic are the segments that connects your, connect to your rib cage. Uh, Below that is lumbar. Everybody knows what their lumbar spine is. It's your low back and then your your sacrum is the bottom part. Um, So the thoracic spine, because of its connection with the rib cage, it doesn't move very much because it has these big ribs that are wrapping all the way around your body. And those ribs are going to stay put. So what we want to do is try to get the thoracic spine to move as much as possible, which is going to be very minimal at best. Um, When I'm looking at the thoracic spine and trying to kind of assess it or or get an idea of how it may be limiting or contributing to an issue potentially, I'm going to look at two main things. I'm going to look at flexion extension. So that's just forwards and backwards. And uh, you, you mentioned a cyclist posture, for example. A cyclist has a ton of flexion in their thoracic spine. They're always kind of hunched over. Right. right? And, the, and the thoracic spine is naturally flexed. It's naturally curved forward. So that, so that means that the convexity is facing forward. Um, so one of the other things that we look at is thoracic spine extension. And we talk about that a lot. And I remember like five years ago, that was really popular. Remember everybody did those T-spine extensions over a foam roller? Oh, yeah. And that yeah. that one, was like a big piece. thing. One thing catches on and just takes off and then yeah, disappears. Yeah, and, and you don't see those as much anymore. Uh, and, and that's always kind of a misnomer because the T-spine doesn't want to extend. I mean, it can extend relatively from its flexed position, 
but it's always going to be flexed. Um, so anyway, so the two things I look at with the T-spine, the flexion extension. And if to look at whether somebody has sufficient overhead mobility, we need to look at the, their ability to kind of flatten out or extend their thoracic spine to reach overhead. And then the second thing that we look at is rotation. So the side to side and, you know, some of the common thoracic spine rotational movements are just kind of getting down onto all fours. So you're on your knees and your hands, put your hand behind your head mm-hmm. and, then just, yep. and then just try to look to one side and you're rotating through your upper back. Yep. Uh, you know, and, and one of the things that's necessary with that is for your scapula or your shoulder blade to kind of pull back as well. And so the T-spine can get pretty complicated because we have the shoulder blade, we have the connections to the other parts of the spine that all influence the way that it moves. Um, now, I know I kind of over-answered your question, but in a nutshell, <laughs> uh, in, a, in a nutshell, the thoracic spine is, you know, it's the part of your spine in between your neck and your lower back. And uh, it deserves looking at when we're kind of assessing, uh, you know, somebody's performance and, and their ability to move. Yeah, and it's not only just because we're talking about the back that affects how um, how the performance on uh, the entire upper body. Oh, I yeah. mean, when, when when one thing becomes restricted, it affects both sides of the body. And I don't mm-hmm. think a lot of people realize that they just think about, um, well, if it's my back, then you know my neck should my neck should have all the issues. When in fact, um, a lot of the times we can um, relate a lot of the the back issues to maybe some shoulder um, issues as well, shoulder impingements mm-hmm. and things like that. So if we Take care of one side, the opposite side is going to be just as healthy. Um, so what are some issues that you're seeing that, uh, that cause the restriction in, in, in some people or most people that, that you're working with? So with the thoracic spine, uh, I talked about extension a little bit. And when we reach overhead, you know, we need to get out of that. If I don't love these terms, but if you think about kind of the forward shoulders or rounded shoulders posture, um, we need to learn how to get out of that position because that's where we, where we spend a lot of our time when we're sitting, when we're driving. And so uh, one of the first things I look at is just what are, what are people's strategies for reaching overhead? Mm. And, and I want to differentiate be the movement coming from their lower spine or their upper spine because somewhere along their spine, they're going to have to extend in order to get overhead. And so oftentimes what we see is people hinge at the junction between their thoracic and their lumbar spine right or right. or or actually in their lumbar spine and it's kind of natural you know if you're reaching to something overhead uh let's say you're staying in the kitchen you reach up to your cupboard it's kind of natural to like tilt your chest back and and arch your lower back a little bit yep but in in the gym when we're trying to train and address specific ranges of motion and muscles we want to avoid that action so i'll say okay keep your rib cage down and then reach overhead. And with that, they'll be like, oh man, I can't get nearly as far. That's, <laughs> that's how I can assess what, what their thoracic spine mobility and what their scapular mobility and that, and, or really kind of scapular control. That's how I can assess their overhead positioning. And that's one of the first things I'm looking at for the thoracic spine. Um, I, I personally don't, I don't conceptualize it as separating out the thoracic spine. I kind of look at these movement qualities and then think to myself, okay, the thoracic spine contributes to those. Yeah. You know, but I try to keep things very movement based as opposed to uh, structural based. I almost try to simplify it a little bit in terms of the way I explain it to, to my clients and my patients. 
Yeah. But, but they can, most people can appreciate, you know, okay, keep your rib cage down while you're reaching overhead. Then they say, Oh yeah, that stretch is a little bit different. And that's, that's one of the biggest first things I'm looking at with the T-spine. You know, it's, we're going back to kind of what we talked about before about the cueing aspects mm-hmm. and the more you simplify things and, uh, and break things down like that, it's like one little piece at a time goes the longest way. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, so you nail down one piece, you know, talking about the rib cage, keep them focused on that for, you know, a couple workouts, couple, whatever, however long it takes for them just to have it naturally or have them catch it themselves. Right. Where right. They, they, they correct themselves or you just do a simple cue and they can correct. Um, and then you kind of build on top of that. Um, do you see any, let's say like um, with uh, speaking of athletes in particular, do you see one type of athlete have more issues than another athlete or is it just, uh, you know, it, it varies through, through all sport. So I see a lot of rotational athletes. I work with a lot of lacrosse players. I work with a good amount of baseball players. Okay. And, and those two sports require a ton of high, high force rotational velocity. And um, with them, oftentimes they're actually limited in the direction of their backswing. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and so let's say you have a, a right-handed baseball player sometimes they might be limited with their right thoracic spine rotation. And so, uh, you know, with that, we want to work on rotating to the right. And that's because they're just, if they're right-handed, they're used to rotating left all the time over and over and over again. And really in their right rotation, it's, it's a wind up and it's a, it's a little bit different. It's more of a controlled motion. Whereas their left rotation is taking on all that force. They're decelerating to the left side. So uh, I see the same thing with golfers too. I just don't work with as many golfers. Okay. But, um, but I really try to, I mean, with most of these things, we're addressing both sides. However, with your rotational athletes, it's definitely good to watch out for discrepancies in rotation on that, on that dominant side. Yeah. You know, that, and, that makes total sense. And it, I mean, with rotational athletes, one of the things I love about T-spine rotational movements, and I have tons of them on my Instagram because I shoulders are, probably my favorite body part to work with. Um, one of the things I love about those rotational movements is pe- everybody can appreciate the benefit of them. Like when they get down and they do them and they're like, man, this feels awesome. And, and for most people, it's pretty novel. It's not a stretch they've done a ton of. It's not one of those basic stretches that they did in, did in P class growing up or anything like that. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and so it's not in their, it's not oftentimes in their repertoire. Like it's like everybody's or a lot of active people have done a hamstring stretch or a figure four hip stretch, mm-hmm. but this, this stuff's kind of new. Um, and it's also a really powerful assessment tool. So you can see pretty easily whether somebody's hips are shifting when they rotate one way or how far they can look and they feel it as well. So it's, it's one of those ones that can kind of quickly establish uh, that, that connection of what, that connection between the trainer, client, or, or therapist, patient, you know, what we're working on, what we want to improve. Yeah. And so, you can see some, so, du- you see some direct change, right? Over, mm-hmm. over time. Oh yep. yeah. And so I, I like to assess that rotational movement and that flexion extension pretty, pretty early on. When you, how do you work with a lot of young, younger athletes, like uh, preteen or, or around that teenage area? More, more teenage into their, into college years. Yeah. And that's probably, is that, do you think that's a, a good area to start getting them to the, to the, uh, 
to the spot of, you know, working both directions as much as possible. Definitely. Right. Definitely. Learning that, learning that routine over and over and over. Cause by the time you're probably, you know, mid to late career, it's going to be hard to, to retrain your, your right. system. Right. Yeah. And, and one of the other things that you see with T-spine, you know, rotation too, is uh, taking away most of the people that we work with, most people in the world are not athletes. They're, they're recreational, you know, um, the way that I explain it to people with shoulder pain, if they're like, if they're down and they're rotating and they're, they're kind of thinking like, what is this goofy stuff I'm doing? You know, I'm, I'm here for my shoulder, right? but, but you have me, but you actually have me rotating through my, through my like chest. Like, you know, I just reach out to something. Let's say I'm standing here. There's something to the side of me and I'm reaching out to it. And I, or, or I give the example, let's say I'm sitting in the car, uh, driving the car and I reach behind me to the right, to this, to my backseat. If my spine won't rotate enough for me to get there, I'm going to have to move my shoulder more. And you're going to wreck. That could be <laughs> exactly. And, <laughs> oh yeah, good. Yeah, <laughs> wreck, wreck the car, not the shoulder. Yeah. So that right. so that could potentially put <clears throat> so that could potentially put added stress on the shoulder. And right. and if you do that thousands of times, then maybe that's the explanation for why you have this rotator cuff tendonitis or this impingement soreness. And so whether it's the chicken or the egg, and that's always the hardest thing to determine, mm, yeah. you know, either way, oftentimes you see people, and this is anecdotal, but oftentimes you see people with rotational discrepancies on a pathological side. And so, you know, if their left shoulder is hurting, they might have a little bit more poor T-spine rotation to the left. Mm, whether, okay. whether, whether they stopped using that left shoulder as much and that's why their, their rotation is worse or vice versa, I, I can't tell you. However, I, I do know that the more that they can restore that rotation, the less they're going to rely purely on their shoulder joint motion Yeah, and, and they will have uh, you know, a greater degree of freedom and more strength reaching out away from their body, more comfort doing it too yeah that makes total sense yeah if you reach back and you can't get all the way around the first thing i want to do is just stretch more through the shoulder to try to get it back there and over time over time you know whether it's five times or it's 500 times eventually something's going to give yeah um it's funny how you talk how you you said uh, if you got somebody doing those uh exercises like why do you have me do this i have uh people do the the quadruped um, T-spine opener all the time mm-hmm. with the hand behind the head and behind the back. And so like setting that up for people, and I was like, all right, let's get on all four knees. Let's hit you back on your heels. Right. When I say knees go wide, like as soon as I say something like that, they're like, are, are you filming me? Like, is this really what we're doing today? <laughs> I'm like, no, trust me. I promise. But yeah, you do a couple sets of 20 of uh, that, you know, the beginning of the workout and at the end of the workout and you can tell a, a huge difference. So feels great. Um, yeah, it feels great. It, and, and then after a while, I see people come in, you know, after they do like, you know, three, four minutes on like a rower or something like that to get their heart rate up a little bit, they'll go over and they'll do that before we even start. And I was like, there you go. And now you can kind of see, you know, mm-hmm. a direct correlation and you can get some buy-in from that too. Yeah. And let's talk about, let's hit on one thing you said there. So you sit your, sit your hips back to your heels. Mm-hmm. The purpose for that, and I, I know you know this, but I'll, you know, for the audience. So the purpose for that so you're on so you're on all fours you're on your knees and your hands you mm-hmm. sit your hips you sit your butt all the way back what that does is bring your hips up into a higher degree of flexion at that point you can't move your lower spine as much you can't right. move you can't shift your hips around as much so it's going to preferentially uh you know 
require more motion from the upper spine for that rotation as opposed to the lower spine. If you were, if you did not do that, if you stood or if you stayed in just that normal quadruped position, anytime you rotated right, you would see your hips shift yep. to the left right, or vice versa. Yeah. Now and you one, get, oh, go, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say one advanced move that I like for this, and this is kind of an FRC principle type of thing, but I would have somebody not shift their hips back, stay upright and just say brace and don't let your hips shift while you do this. So they have to really find that core stability to rotate and keep their body in line. And so mm. it's almost, it's almost an irradiation principle where everything's contracting to keep them still while they're then trying to find that rotation. If you want to be really evil, you can stack, you can sit two foam rollers up on their sides <laughs> or sit them, sit them long ways on both sides of their hips and say, yeah, don't, don't knock, knock them over <laughs> or, or 20 pushups. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That could be the entire workout right there. 20 yeah. pushups, 20 rows, 20 pushups, 20 rows. It's a um, quick way for me to have a patient not come back. Yeah, I was, like, was going to say that's that's not a repeat customer by any means. <laughs> no. The, no. Uh, the another interesting thing is when I when I have people do that, one thing that I notice a lot is if you know if I'm they're using the left side for instance, mm -hmm. and what they want to do is when I tell them to rotate all the way through, when they come to about here, what they want to do right away is just get that elbow to go high, right? Because right. I want the entire body to go, and you know as we know the body goes where the head goes. And so that's mm -hmm. one cue that I use. I just tell them, don't worry about, don't worry about that elbow goes, just look at your elbow, right? Yeah. Watch, nice. follow that thing all the way up. I don't care if this goes high here. If you can get this, this motion to change from here to here, that's all we're looking for. And, and just keeping that person's frame of reference, you know, as soon as I see him go like this and that the wrist breaks, that's when I tell, I kind of just point the elbow back down and just lead with the head. And I think that's another really good coaching cue to use also in that motion. I'm not sure if you, you know, use something similar to that. Yeah, that's a, and kind of curtailing off of what we talked about last time with cueing and internal versus mm -hmm. external. That's the perfect external cue because instead of telling them, rotate more with your upper spine than your lower spine, and they look at you like, what, what the <laughs> hell are you talking about? You know, and, and no, nobody would really say that, but it happens. You know, instead of that, you just tell them one simple thing to do with their eyes mm -hmm. that, they can, yeah. that they can understand and conceptualize, and that puts them in a good position. What I tell people, and this applies to all the different rotational movements for the T-spine, I tell them, leave with your eyes. You know, yep. look, where you're, look where you're rotating. And it's yep. the same thing. Yeah, watch it. Watch it go all the way through. And then exactly. you can break it down. Here's why we do that, right? Right, right. So um, let's say I am um, I'm, I'm a person who sits at a desk for, uh, for my profession, and I've got, I've got a lot of this motion where I'm hunched over, mm -hmm. and you know that, that kind of breaks down into your low back, and then you're sitting lower and lower. Your head starts to move forward. Um, is, is that something that we'd right away want to work with the, the thoracic spine or are there other areas that we want to improve first or along, along with it? Well, so let me start off by saying that um, posture is one of those topics that's kind of near and dear to me. Uh, as a physical therapist, I see, I see a lot of people that have interesting opinions about their posture and it's, it's normally been influenced by, you know, maybe somebody's parents when they were a kid told them to sit up straight or, or whatnot. Uh, I, I'm very careful to try to correct people's postures by telling them what they need to do the other 23 hours of the day when they're not with me. Right. Um, okay. So if somebody's sitting at a desk and they say, and they come to me for back pain, I am, I am not going to tell them you have back pain because you're sitting wrong. 
you know, I don't want to, we don't want to create overthinkers. And so uh, instead what I want to try to do is, is change what we can help them move a little more instead of telling them how to sit. Um, oh, because, uh-huh. because, because if you, you know, if you looked at your couch last night and, or see, see people watching the Super Bowl, most of the people are sitting with, with crappy posture. That's just the way humans are, you know, and, and, and that posture shouldn't even really be called crappy. It should just be called what humans do. Yeah. Um, right. You know, and so, so with, with that person at their desk, yes, they're sitting in a flex thoracic, thoracic spine posture and they're kind of hunched over. So what I'm going to tell them to do and try is to try to encourage them to move every once in a while, you know, uh, stretch your arms overhead, stretch into an extended posture instead of a flex posture. But I'm not going to tell them to try to stay in that military posture or position all day, you know? And so um, I think that's one of the things that's kind of misunderstood about the thoracic spine or about posture in general. Uh, yeah. But, you know, with, with that person, I'll, I'll find that they're stiff, but they're oftentimes stiff both ways. They're stiff with extension and flexion of their T-spine. So, um, you know, I will, I'll work on maybe an all fours cat camel focusing on the, focusing on the upper spine and I'll try to get them to flex and push those, you know, when you flex your T-spine and you push away from the ground, when you're in a cat camel position, you're actually helping the scapula to, to kind of protract and move away from the spine. Mm-hmm. That's an important scapular movement for reaching overhead, you know? And so, so I'll have them do a variety of different scapular movements and try to get the, and try to get the shoulder blades and the T-spine and all that to move in every direction. And, um, you know, going back to what, what I said about overthinking, just try to emphasize movement in general, as opposed to telling them you have to do this or you have to sit this way. Yeah. That's a good point. And, and to give them more options too, is what, mm-hmm. is what it sounds like I'm hearing. Yeah. yeah. Give them, give them more options. And, uh, I noticed you kind of moving around also very similar things that I, I've told my wife to do when, before she got her stand up desk, thank God, as soon as that happened, like all, yeah. almost all of her issues just went away. It was, it probably took maybe, I would say a month before she started to notice. Then I gave her some very basic um, exercises to do also that she can do. Luckily if she's on a conference call, cause she works from home uh, 99% of the time, keep her headset on. Um, she can do some, um, uh, some prone cobras, um, some basic, uh, you know, Superman, mm-hmm. um, movements, uh, cat cow for sure. Um, child's pose, those kind of things. And some quadruped reach throughs where you're reaching through the other side yeah. and trying to touch your scapula. I like those a lot too. Um, there's something that I was going to, Oh, the, uh, the sitting versus moving aspect. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Cause you're, you're teaching like I, I would, it just kind of struck me like if, you, if you're telling somebody what to do while they're sitting, you're almost reinforcing um, that sitting behavior, if that makes sense. Maybe you don't mm-hmm. see it that way, but like that's the first thing that popped into my head was, that makes um, sense. yeah, so like it's almost like they're, they're thinking to themselves, well, I'm, gonna, I'm getting ready to go see, you know, Teddy later today. So I'm just going to keep doing this. We'll work on that later. Meanwhile, they could be doing some of those reach, reach across, reach up, reach back, reach, reach down. Um, each way and be mobile throughout the day, those, those basic mm-hmm. movements. And uh, another thing, you were talking about the, the protraction and the retraction. Another cueing thing that I like to use is, is just tell people to ima- imagine that they're screwing their palms into the ground. And I feel like mm-hmm. as soon as people start to feel that, they automatically, like they feel their, their chest flex and their back just, boom, pop out. And uh, yeah, exactly. You see, I mean, 
the rotation in the mm-hmm. shoulder also. And uh, I mean, th- those movements are, are huge. I wish people could just, I wish we had a, a culture to where it'd be okay for people who worked at a desk just to be like, drop down and do <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, like 20 to 30 of those a day and not get uh, weird looks. I know. Yeah. Like one, uh, of the, one of those big group exercise uh, classes that you see where it, Everybody, everybody that's working stands up for the last five minutes of every hour and does it <laughs> stretches together. That'd be cool. Yeah, I mean, and that's the whole thing. Like changing, changing the mindset, man. I mean, yeah. this maybe this is a whole. Maybe this is the third podcast, but like changing the mindset of, uh, of like the because I mean, corporate wellness is still kind of like on that trickle back up. Um, even though there's been a couple of places that kind of uh, that seem to um, have bought up like a big majority of the share and and maybe take like the personal aspect out of it. Anyway. Uh, they do know, they do realize and understand the importance of it, but maybe they still separate not what the worker can do at their desk, but they have to go to some different place in order to, to, to get healthy, to get mobile, to feel better mm-hmm. instead of what, what they can do, you know, for the eight to 10 hours that are sitting at their desk. Right. Right. But yeah, anyway, the, si- the sitting posture is just a tough thing because, you know, everybody leaves their dentist. They know, they're supposed to floss. Like everybody has, you know, as a practitioner, uh, as an expert in your field, you, you have a, the potential to influence and leave a lasting impression on your client, on your patient, whomever you're working with. Right. Uh, the one thing, you know, I work with hundreds of people a year. The one thing that I, I don't want them to all leave me thinking I'm sitting wrong. I'm standing wrong. I'm walking mm. wrong. You know, because I'm not going to, let's be honest, most of the people I see, Eric, I see for five visits or less. Uh, I don't want, I don't want to have that effect on them. I want to build them up. And so there's a whole, I think there's a whole psychological aspect to posture yeah. too. And, yeah. you know, and so um, you just don't want to, the, the sitting is the new smoking seems a little extreme to me. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you said that. No, I'm serious. There, there have been times where I've heard other people say that, and you know, sitting is a new smoking. I'm like, break that down for me because yeah. I feel like, I feel like people are saying that because it's, it's catchy, mm-hmm. right? We, we know people sit a lot and smoking is bad for us. We already know that. So put those two together. Chug it, chug it. I know. <laughs> And, uh, I, I drink water by the glass, <laughs> not by the sip. Yeah, <laughs> but it just that that whole idea to me. Yeah, that seems so aggressive. Comparing, I don't. I just, where else can we take it? We're going to take it right to. I mean, it's fourth fourth stage cancer. Sorry, sitting is the new fourth stage cancer. <laughs> what? No, like yeah. that. That's this is ridiculous. There are there are certain things in different category categories that we can classify and uh, and keep to itself. And I think mm-hmm. those two are are definitely those two are definitely separate, especially when one, you really think about that. I mean, they're, they're both emotional, uh, part, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've never smoked. I don't, I've never been addicted to it. Um, so whatever, whatever that feels like, but I mean, the sitting thing, can you classify that as an addiction? Maybe I'm taking it too far. I don't know, but <laughs> it's just <laughs> that whole, the whole philosophy never made any sense to me. I mean, I think it's just a cultural standard or a norm because mm. you know we put a lot of our we put a lot more of our work into computers yeah um, not not that either of us can pretend to know what it was like to work in an office in the 1970s but i would imagine that maybe people stood up and interacted a little bit more because they they weren't emailing the person next door to them you know that's but thing. they walked around during their smoke break there you go so that's a conundrum oh, man yeah that's yeah crap, <laughs> crap. never mind <laughs> 
Um, so, okay, let's, uh, and I'm going to link a bunch of stuff uh, to your Instagram so people yeah. can see specifically for uh, the thoracic spine. But let's say uh, a person finds like two or three things that they really want to do because, you know, mm-hmm. I, I doubt you want to say here, these, these are the best ones you can do because it's going to be very individualized for each person. And based on everything we just said, just try something, right? Just try mm-hmm. one or two of them out. You're, you're not going to find something that, you know, isn't going to be beneficial. But how often should a person perform thoracic spine mobility um, during their work day, for instance? Um, and I'm, I'm focusing a lot on the work day because I think that's where most people are probably going to really uh, know when to put this in. I mean, if you want to do these things in the gym too by yourself, awesome. You know, or mention them to your, your trainer, which, you know, we all love when clients come in and say, hey, can we try this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm a secret for myself. But I, saw how, this, I saw this on the internet yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Can we try this? Men's Health said um, – <laughs> But uh, how often should we perform them? Um, is it like a repetition thing? Is it for time? You know, how, what's that look like to you? You know, to be honest, I do some form of mobility, whether it be maybe even just 30 seconds. I do some form of stretching multiple times a day. Okay. Um, you know, stretching is natural. Animals stretch right when they wake up. And yep. so, and, so uh, and humans typically don't. I mean, we might raise our arms up once while we yawn, and that's bad. No, no, and, don't even do so, that. <laughs> just pop right out of bed curse at your curse that's at it. your alarm that's about it yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so so i think people should do a few little stretches a few a couple times a day you okay know, even even if it's just like we talked about the ribs down even if it's just trying to do a light bracing light brace on your core and reach your arms overhead and then bend to both sides kind of like kind of like the way they start off a yoga class i mean it, it feels great yeah. Um, so, so, and that's something you can do sitting down too. Yep. And Eric, Eric, I wanted, I wanted to touch on one other little, little piece with the thoracic spine. Perfect. And, the rib Go cage. For it. Yep. and uh, so if you think about the rib cage, the rib cage houses the lungs and the lungs, I don't know if you've ever seen a, a in vivo model of the lungs, but it's mm-hmm. incredible how much the lungs inflate and deflate. Now, when the lungs inflate to full capacity, the rib cage has to spread out. At that point, you're tensioning, you're changing the length tension relationships of your muscles. Uh, you're, you're stretching different muscles. And so if you are, let's say you're in that all fours position, and then you come down onto your elbows. Okay. And, you take, and you take three big breaths in. It's called breath stacking. Each breath you take in, you try to hold that position as you do a small exhale. Then you take another breath in. The, the goal is to get as much air into your lungs as possible that is a tremendous stretch for your upper back and your thoracic spine. Oh, wow. So I like to incorporate breathing exercises with my, with my T-spine mobility at times. Oh, and, that's awesome. And that, and that can be especially helpful for thoracic flexion, which then plays into reaching overhead because we talked about the thoracic flexion has to do with your scapula being able to protract or, or abduct, move away mm-hmm. from your spine. And at that point, that can start to facilitate what we need for overhead motion as well. Oh, wow. So, so I, find, I find breathing exercises not only to be kind of calming and relaxing mm-hmm. for, patient, for patients and for myself, but also uh, part of the bigger picture equation for the T-spine. Yeah, and that's just another tool that you can mm-hmm. use. I mean, that's just another yeah. tool in the, in the uh, toolbox. So to, to go along with that, do you perform most of this, um, the T-spine movements, let's say if you're, if you're programming for somebody, uh, is this like, bef- or would you recommend that someone do this before workout? Uh, maybe, let's say between sets or something, or maybe after after the workout. 
I recommend it to be before or during that kind of extended warm up. Um, okay. One, once you get into your, it depends on the intensity in which you're training. Right. But yeah. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't pair a T-spine rotation with a heavy back squat or something like that. Like once you, once you're into your real training, that, that kind of that meat of the training, that let's say an hour training session, that 20 to 40 minutes mm-hmm. or 25 to 45 minute period. Once you're really in there, I don't like to work in a lot of mobility work. That's just my own bias. Yeah. Um, but if it's more of a general pop type of training approach mm-hmm. and we're, and, and we're, we're moving through a lot of different things and the intensity is never really high, then you can kind of work mobility throughout. Yeah. You know, I, I have yep. a old PT patient turned client who's a, a big golfer and, and you know, we do, a, we do mostly circuits of three exercises. There's almost always a, a hip or a T-spine mobility in one of those three exercises throughout his entire workout. Yeah. But, but that's, you know, he's in his late forties. Those are his goals. Right. Um, to, right to feel good on feel good on the golf course yep. and he's you know seen tremendous improvements since we've been working together and so yeah. um it just it really depends on your goals yeah but for the average person i think that towards the beginning of the workout makes sense yeah i think so too i think uh I, and i really like the idea for, for the most part i'll go through like a full body uh, maybe five to six uh just basic movements mm-hmm. excuse me basic movements uh for like a just a, a body weight warm up, and then I'll then I'll, I'll I mean it is part of the warm up, but I'll break it down to more floor oriented three to five exercises where either they have two hands off onto a wall and they do some upper back extension flexion, uh, the rotation, and then I'll also do some kind of bracing. I, I usually try to get those three types of movements in, and then we go on to the workout. Let's say it's an hour workout. The first ten minutes are going to be filled with just those kind of movements, and then I go into the workout. And then I like to, I like to, um, for, for depending on the person, um, I'll end with maybe three or four of three or four exercises that are similar to what we started with, uh, the same principles, but maybe if I had two hands on, on the wall and I, I can, it, you know, for people listening, this is going to be hard for them to visualize this, but instead of having two hands on the wall, I might go to one and I might do a reach through with it, you know, mm-hmm. just a little bit of variation at the very end. Um, it breaks up the monotony for them. And also teaches them something different and they're going to feel, you know, they're going to feel great after they do that too. And then we'll go into just like some manual, um, manual, uh, stretch also. And, yeah. and I, and I find that like, I don't tip, I don't necessarily like doing stretch before a workout for all sorts of reasons we don't have to get into now, but, um, but the thoracic spine mobility, like once you start, once you start playing around with that, you know, it might take a month or so, but if you're super consistent with it, um, all that can go a long way. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. there's just hands down, no question about it. Yeah. I think it, I think it feels great. And, you know, I've, and it's I've easy. To, I've yet to meet somebody that doesn't, couldn't benefit from it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I shouldn't say it's easy. Like, like there are, I'm sure some people find it very difficult, but like the movements to learn, um, if you, you know, you put in the work, it's not like it's, it's not like you're literally teaching yourself to do yoga by yourself. <laughs> right. Right. But well, anyway, hey, Teddy, I, I appreciate you breaking down some more knowledge for us. Uh, this, was, this was perfect, and um, I know a lot of the people that I work with are going to benefit from it and just you know, getting that good information out there. So if people have any more questions, comments, concerns, where's the best place to get a hold of you? Uh, best place is my Instagram. It's Strength Coach Therapy. It's all one word, Strength Coach Therapy. And um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty active on there. I try to post every day. Nice, and I yep. uh, try to get back to 
98.7% of my messages. <laughs> that's it's probably a ton too so that's awesome but uh well good i hope people do reach out to you and keep up the great work man and uh, we'll talk to you soon all right thanks for having me on eric this is great thanks for listening don't forget to rate review and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts if you'd like to suggest a topic or be a part of the show get in touch with eric on any social media platform at eric feigl or email fcp at ericfeigl.com Make sure to check back every Tuesday and Thursday for more fitness candor.